0: The Eddie B. sit edition and audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masikhet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashil Imam Moshe bin Dina. And to the Lord, the name of Joseph <laughs> and Serena, David and Frida, the king of Zoharah, the king of and the king of Yohchevet. The in the land <laughs> of Eden. Amen. Do you and we Today's is being studied. and nefesh. We begin Bet, and we are two lines from the bottom. Now we know that we learned in the third year of the Shemitah cycle the Jew would have to come and make a confession in front of the Qanim that they gave all their entitlements to Teru Qanim Ma'asir Rishon, the Nevi Ma'asir Shini they took to Jerusalem or Ma'asir Ani that they gave the Ani that is called Vidui Ma'asir Yohanan, Teru Qan Gadol did away with this confession why is that so? Ma'ayta'ama amara B'yosimari B'arayyona Fishe'en notin o'to kittikuno because they weren't giving it according to the Torah's rule. Why? The Amar amardiyah be-levi'im. Because the Torah says you have to give ma'asir rishon to the Levi'im. The Anan kayyavina the And what happened? They were giving it to the Qawani. Now why were they giving it to the Kuanim? So that she says, De kansinu izra kad amard bi which means we learned in Masiqin Yemamot that since the Levim did not want to come up with Islam to go build the Betta Mikdash, so he took away their Ma'asir. And he said, You give it instead to the Qanim. Now, to amongst the Tanaim, do, 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 do the Kuanim actually have rights to Ma'asir to Lishon anyway? And all he did was just, you know, take out the rights of the Levim or was it action that they didn't have rights and the kanas was to take it away from the Levi and just give it to the Kwanim themselves in any event, Rashi says since they weren't giving it in the proper way part of the confession was I gave the Ma'asin Shot to the Levi well, they can't say that. <coughs> so they since they couldn't make that declaration because they were giving it to the Kohenim. So he did away with the confession. So the Gibran says, Ashar <laughs> which means, "Okay, so skip that part of the do. Just mention the other parts that they did correctly." Maaser Sheni and Masir Ani. So comes the Gemara and says, "Amar call Kol it as any man al Rishon, al my tamah, Amar b'Yehu'iru patach po ha'katuf tehilah, which means the vidui ma'aser opens up, ve'natatal le'levi la'yator ve'hamana ve'achilu b'sharikah b'samuel. So it starts off ve'natatal le'levi. The first giving is to the Levi. and if since already you couldn't open up with the opening statement of the vidui ma'aser, so Yakanan Koy Gadol he knocked out the whole declaration. As she says tehilah third line, ve'natatal le'levi, ze ma'aser rishon. So it goes in order. So once already you knocked out maser Levi, maser Rishon. So he knocked out the entire confession, the entire declaration. Oh, so comes again and says which means it's much, but that they were separating maser Rishon. It's just that they weren't giving it to the Levi. That's the whole understanding of this out. They, 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 they were good people. They were taking Ma'asir Rishon. They were just giving it to the Kohen instead of the Levi. Kabbalah challenges that. What do you mean? That Yohanan Kohen Gadol, he not, did away with vidui Ma'asir V'Gazan Al-Demai. And he was also, if you remember, the one that made the law of Demai. What does Demai mean? That anybody that buys something from an Ammaris, he has to take... Maaslot. The Gabriel is going to say, "Why did he do that?" The of He sent uh, out inspectors all over the borders of Israel to see if the people were actually taking to the maaslot. The only people that were giving, they were giving tirumat, That's to the Kohen. They were only giving the first the two percent, whatever it may be, to the Kohin. Regarding the other entitlements, the people are not so careful on that. Some people knowing it, some people are not. He said, My children, bo I'm gonna tell you something. Which is just like if a stranger a not kohen eats Gedolah, that's why you're being careful, because you don't want to die. That's why you're giving turumah to the queen because you know that what? There's a mitabi de for a non kohen to eat the turumah. And there's also, I wonder if you don't give the Ma'asir Rishon to, the Levi, to Levi, why? Because the Ma'asir Rishon, in itself can be eaten by a stranger, there's no mitah on that. But the problem is, in the Ma'asir Rishon, there's a piece that belongs to the Kohen. That's called Terumat Ma'asir, or Ma'asir mina Ma'asir. So the, what the Rabbi was trying to tell, when you are was trying to tell the people, you're worried about death. That's why you make sure to give your terumat to the queen. But hey, why not giving me ma'asir ishon, you also have a chalik of the queen in that ma'asir. Terumat ma'asir is also a hayab mitah, because that's called teder, on the queen's chalik. Oh, kach terumat ma'asir v'etov, yes, we have a good mitah, amad, v'etkinah. So he got up and he made, a hey, ta'kana, lokei aghperot ma'amahares, ma'afrish me'em ma'asir ishon u'ma'asir shini. Rule, you go to an ma'asir. You buy food from him, you got to take off Ma'asir Rishon and Ma'asir Shani, so there won't be a Hashash of Tevin. Now, what do you do? Ma'asir Rishon, Maflish Mimina Terumat Ma'asir. Now from the Ma'asir Rishon, you got to take out another 10% in order to give it to the... And you indeed Anything? give it to the queen. Now, mm-hmm. the maasir sheni, like regular maasir shini, you take it and you eat it in. When it comes to maasir, rishon, and maasir, uh, sheni, uh, and ani, where there's no sin if a stranger eats it, so now the rule's going to be burden. the holder can hold on to it, and the burden of proof is on the levy that he didn't get it. Let the burden of proof be. You want to take ma'asir, I need from me Prove me that you didn't get it yet. I'm just taking it. You see, when it came to the ma'asir, we give it to the Quran. Why? Why don't you say also to tell the Quran, I yeah? see prove me that you didn't get your ma'asir yet. Yeah, that's very risky. Because if he's going to hold it by him, he might come to eat it. And if he comes to eat it, it's a Because that's turumah already. So therefore, we want to get a turumah out of the guy's possession. So then we we'll give it to the Quran. However, even if, let's say, the guy by mistake uh, ate the Ma'asir Rishon. So what? There's no issue of a eating Ma'asir Rishon. So again, let's read this in Rashi, and then we'll get to the question. But this is a process that Yohanan Kohen Gadol established throughout Israel. The Rashi begins on the right column. long you gotta take all the maasot out and also it won't be Now from the maasot you take an additional maasot. Mashe'ala levi laflish, utnomi levi wateka, vnotno mishum this huh. if, if a non eats it, So the rabbis were stringent. We're not going to make him hold it and sell it to the Cohen. Just like you let, you, we let him keep the other stuff, the ani and the we're not going to say in this case You know why? We're worried if he could hold it to the man. he might come too Eat it. Even if he eats it, no problem. The worst thing he stole something from the uh, you know from the uh, from the Alma but there's the point. You see in your Hanan's time They weren't even giving the Mahasra So what are you telling me That the reason why you stopped the confession Is because they were giving it to the wrong person They were giving it to the Kohanim instead of the Levim It's Mahasra from here They weren't even giving it At all That's why I made it If you take the or if you take fruit from a, ma- a Maharas You need to take all the entitlements out So make up your mind Were they giving to the wrong person Or weren't they giving at all Comes again and says, Oh Tiken. Oh, Yohanan actually established two Takanot. Number one, Bittel Vidui Dachatherin. Regarding the scholars that were giving their Terumot and Masrot, he said, for these scholars that are doing the right thing, no more Vidui Masrot, because since they were giving their Maser to the Kwanim, so they could not say, began la levi. That was the takarah for the scholars. Mm-hmm. However, And Regarding the product of the amah they made a takarah that says, they're not giving anymore, therefore anybody buys from them, they have to give it. So there were two They are doing mahasir for the givers. That's the haverim. Stop doing it, because so they were giving it to the kwanim, instead of the leviim. And then for the guys, anybody that buys from them, they have to take, the, they don't want the mouse. The AF be tell it Me'orerim. And then Kohen Gadol also nullified a group called the Me'orerim. What are we, the, uh, the critics? The Quakers? Awakeners. The Quakers? Awakeners. The Awakeners. My <laughs> Me'orerim. What is Me'orerim? Every day when the Avim would sing, and the better the guys want to bring in the Korbanot, the Omrim they would say the pasuk until the Mimdala. Ura Lamati Shana Hashem, wake up, God! Why are you sleeping? Amar Lehem Yesh Chanal Makom. What are you guys talking about? Does God sleep? God does not sleep no slumber the watcher of Israel at the time that the Jewish people are suffering and the Goyim are in tranquility it looks like Shalom God is sleeping. Which means when the Jews are being persecuted and the Gu'im are tranquil, it looks like God is sleeping. That's why it says But in the times of Yohanan Gadol, that was not the case. The Jews were in tranquility. Therefore this pasuk was not uh, it was out of line. Therefore, when they were those guys that wanted the Me'oririn, that were saying, He would tell them, stop saying it. It's not necessary to say it in this time. The Jews are not living in troubled times. The Jews were on top in that time. Another interpretation is they were saying the Pasuk sarcastically, as if to say God is really sleeping. In the tone that they were saying, it was as if, Ula the way they said it, so okay, they don't say it. So it's, it's not literal. God doesn't sleep. and it only means hyper, like uh, metaphorically. That if the if the Jewish people are uh, you know suffering, so it looks like God is sleeping. Don't 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 think it means literal. That means them from thinking this Masuk means literally. The Etanuk theme, he also is mevateli the strikers. What are these strikers? When they wanted to slaughter an animal, so they wanted to sedate the animal a little. So what did they sedate it? They made a mark on his forehead, they like... Uh, punctured over there a little. And what? Now the blood started to come down his foot and go into his eyes, the animal's eyes. Now the animal can't see so good, so he gets a little confused, so it's easy to tame him down and slaughter him. But what's the problem? Atta'iyu He stopped at Minagwa, Because it looked like they were putting a moon in the Korban itself. Now even though it wasn't a moon. But it was a manitai, and therefore he stopped them from puncturing that spot, so the blood would come down. He actually take sticks and hit the animal in order to fall to the floor, in order to, to knock it out, so to speak, so it was easier to have to slaughter it. So he told them, what do you mean? You're putting nevelot on the mezbeah. So the what do you mean, Nevelot? Nevelot? Hasha'itu. Nevelah is an animal that's not slaughtered. These animals, they were slaughtered, so it's really not called a Nevelah. So it comes out as No Ela Terefot. You're going to put terefot on them as Because by hitting it on the head, what are you going to end up doing? Shem and which means maybe they punctured the membrane around the brain, and therefore he was telling them, "What are you doing? You're putting uh, you're putting terefot on them as well." So he stopped the knock theme. So what did they end up doing? Amad tabaot ba'kar They put rings. On the floor in the bet HaShahitav, the, the bet HaMikdash, it's where they put the animal, right, put the, on the neck, put the ring over there, so the animal can't move, so it was easy for them to slaughter. Instead of them having to puncture, and having to beat them with sticks, he made the Takana kind of the Tabarot. Ad yamav patish Until his days, the blacksmiths were banging on the anvil on Khola Mo'ed in Yerushalayim, because the Allah says that if it's a monetary loss, it is permissible, why do he stop it? Because since the sound of the anvil can be heard from far away, the concern was that people are not going to know it's the Vara it. People are working on Kholamued. The They're going to come to make isur. Kol yamav, lo ayadam in his time, nobody had to ask questions on the on the demai, which means when you bought from an amaharis, they relied on the concept called rov, rov amaharis maasinim. So therefore, in his time, you bought from an amaharis, you didn't got to ask questions; you rely on the rov, right? And uh, what happened? The Hasidim they would already be mahmir on themselves; they would have to ask the amaharis, uh, "Listen, uh, uh, did you take your uh, slot or not?" But a regular folk that were buying from the amaharis didn't have to ask any questions; they relied on the rov. Like we said above Which means in his time Once already the people stopped giving ma'asir Now even the Hasid. didn't have to ask questions anymore Why? Because he made a flat out rule You got to take ma'asir In his time you didn't have to ask questions Which means before him Nobody asked questions When they went to the amalas They relied on the majority And whoever asked questions was a Hasid. They would say Mr. Amalas did, did you take ma'asir well yet? And if he said he did you believe them once Yohanan gadol came along even the Hasidim did not have to ask any more questions anymore why? because you put a flat out rule you gotta take Ma'aslot when you buy it from an Ammar it's automatic which means don't even ask it's they have to take the Tirumot because they were being lax in taking the Tirumot. and Ma'aslot comes the next Mishnah Mishibat Sanedrin when the Sanedrin was nullified that's the Betina Gadol of 71 judges in Jerusalem They were exiled 40 years before the destruction. And as we learned in Masechah Rosh Hashanah, they went through 10 different exiles. So it says at that point over there, Batal Hashir Bebet HaMishtaot. Achamim forbade Singing in places where they are drinking wine. Amar, as the pasuk says at the time of the destruction, Bashir, right? With song, lo yishtu yayin, you should not drink. That is many interpretations in what restrictions that this applies over here. Uh, some opinions say that it's forbidden to sing at a party, even verbally, even without uh, music that's uh, brought down. Now, some say it's only talking about love songs and things like that—songs uh, that talk about beauty and you know, like a, more like a secular songs—but songs that have to do with chinuch you know, and things like that. The Ben says to sing it even in a betta mishneh, uh, and some say uh, uh, that even singing songs with pesukim uh, are forbidden as well. Now, the Rambam's opinion is that even musical instruments are forbidden even without wine. Musical instruments are assumed in general after the Saladin was uh, exiled. And some want to say, right? Some want to say that after the Ba'at the restriction became even uh, even stronger. In any event, when it comes to weddings and things like that, the poskim are uh, mekel. Some of the reasons why they say this, the, one reason obviously why they stopped music and things like this is because of the destruction of Abelut. Others want to say that as long as the Sanhedrin was alive, the singers were careful not to say anything that's forbidden in the songs. Uh, there, was a, there, was a, there was a monitor on them. Mashekin once the Sanhedrin uh, dismantled, so now the people were going to start singing songs that are not proper, so they stopped them. In any event, it is a great discussion amongst the poor, what are we relying on today? To listen to music, to listen to live bands and things like that, even though we're at a time of destruction, outside of a wedding, let's say, it's a big she'elah <laughs> if uh, one is allowed to listen to music. <laughs> and one of his tishuvot, where he's talking about listening to music during the uh, days of the Sifra and the days of Ben Amitsarim. B- 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 so in his tishuvay he writes that you shouldn't listen to music during the Omer time and the minimum sarim time. But the way he writes it is, those that are lenient to listen to music all year long should be stringent uh, you know, during these times. So you see, you, you need post you need to find a leniency to listen to music, because the Mishnah is clearly saying once the tzarim was disbarred. Uh, there was no more music, no more music, and, uh, and Abraham is saying even without wine, uh, musical instruments uh, are forbidden. So it's a big uh, she'ela. That continues mishemitu when the early prophets perished. We'll see exactly who these early prophets were. urim Now we know the urim vetumim. The kohen gadol used to wear breastplate. In the uh, folds of the breastplate, they used to put shemot kedushim, and then the stones would light up. And that's how the Kohen Gadol would know exactly the guidance from above. What exactly he's supposed to do? Once the and the Shonim perished, the power of the Rivitui went with the When the temple was destroyed, Bata Bate laShamir, the Shamir was like a small little uh, a worm. That was used in order to cut, right. cut the stones. Now obviously we're talking about Beit Shini because in the second temple they did have the Shamir as well. It means after the destruction of the second temple there was no more Shamir. And the Gemara will explain also the Nofit Sufim. Now, we will have to see exactly what Nofit Sufim is. That is some type of uh, sweet uh, sap which we will talk about. Pasku and and after the second, uh, Betta there was no more honest people that, or people that had emunah in Al-Kadosh Baruch, who I should say, be such Hoshiya Hashem ki Gamar Hasid, David Amelik praised on the future. There's no more Hasidim, ki Fasu Emunim me Adam. There is no more people amongst the human beings that have, Emunah. Now, David HaMelech obviously was referring to a futuristic event, because in his time, obviously, was before the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash. Rabban Shemamim Yom Beit When the time the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed, uh, again, Bayit Sheni and Yom She'en bo every day Every day, Shalom has a curse. And every day the curse gets successful, successfully, successively worse. She's the kidala keeps on getting merubam. It's worse from yesterday. It keeps on getting worse. From that day on, the dew did not fall on the fruits and bring beracha. Instead, the dew brought damage to the fruits and the taste of the fruits were not the same the nutrient value of the fruits also went down, diminished once already there was no more tahara when the people stopped eating their foods the fruits flavor and fragrance went away the once people stopped being careful to give their ma'asrot, shumana dagan, which literally means the, uh, the richness of the grains. He didn't give their ma'asrot, so the uh, grains became uh, damaged. People immorality going with znut, and keshafim is sorcery magic. Wow. Kidu'atakol was the cause of famine that came to the world. Like we learned earlier in the Mas'id, anybody that goes with Isha Zona says, wow. He ends up becoming so destitute that he doesn't even have a loaf of bread. As well as keshafim, uh, the magic also causes damage to come wow. down to the world. You told me that what that once the Saladrin was disbarred or dismantled, so there will no more music. And how do you know that? Because the pasuk says, Now, how do you know that's about the time of the dismantling of the Saladrin? The pasuk just says in the party you can't drink wine and music. How do you not know talk about the time of the Saladrin? The Pasuk says in the echa. That what the elders, which means not the elders, the Sanhedrin from the gate from the Gazit, they stopped to sit, and as a result, what happened? There were no more parties as a result of it. So you see the direct connection between the parties and music and the cessation of the Sanhedrin. Udna I'm sorry, Amar Rav said udna Zimra the ear that listens to music. Teakir should be uprooted. Wow. Rav cursed his generation that love to listen to music and caused a lot of bitul Torah, bitul Zeman. Therefore, if say, everybody wants to waste their time, instead of learning, you want to just listen to music, his ears should be uprooted. zimra Music in a house brings destruction to the threshold of the house which means if there is uh, music coming out of the windows is going to cause at the threshold of that house destruction the Gemara immediately will tell us what the end of that pasuk is referring to the Gemara asks what does it mean to the end of that pasuk it's haq iru Literally it means That Arza is cedar wood And or is like a city Are you telling me that if the house is made out of cedar wood It is as strong as a city? What was the Pasuk mean over there? ba'arazim iru? It means Ela afilu ba'arazim Even if the house is made out of a solid material like cedar tree the Pasuk says, Ira, it is going to buckle. Because there's music played in the house, even a firm, solid house is going to come apart. Yeah. For me, you learn a side point. When destruction comes in the house, it starts at the threshold. It starts at the destruction begins at the threshold of the house. We have another Pasuk to prove this. Shia is destruction begins where? At the gate. Amar, mor. Well, actually, Yukat, uh, That's talking about homes that were desolate. Homes that did not have anybody living in them. So who takes over the homes? The Mazikin. All the demons and the spirits, they come and take it over. And where do they attack? At the shahr At the threshold, at the entrance. I saw one of these abandoned houses. I saw the mazikim jumping around in the houses. And they gore at the gate like an ox. The songs that the sailors that are working on these ships seems they used to pull the boats with ropes, I guess pull them back to the dock so they used to sing while they work. So while work and the songs that the people that were using the animals to plow so they would sing in order to keep the animals in a rhythm so they would plow straight in the field those type of songs are okay Shari. That's okay because that's sorech so he wasn't so strict on that the type of singing over there. The rabbis didn't forbid such uh, such music. However, the gerda'e, the weavers that would sing songs when they were weaving, asur, because that led to levity and laughter. And really, they don't have such a hard job anyway, so they don't need to, they don't need to loosen up by uh, singing. That's the way the Mefarshim explained. Now, According to it comes out of a tremendous uh, uh, stringency that you see that they forbade even singing without music, even singing outside of uh, a party. That's what it comes out according to. I mean, the only singing that became without according to is singing while you work if it's uh, if it's needed. Right, that's the way they want to learn over here. The Gemara continues. Ravuna Batil Zimra. Ravuna made the his generation, no singing. Not in their homes and not at the parties. Sweet as she says. Even outside the parties over there. Kam, well now, as a result of it, Barakha came down to the world. The inflation went down. The Gemara says, a hundred geese only cost a zoos. And a hundred seah of wheat also only cost a zoos. They buy, there were no customers. Because nobody needed because they had so much, they didn't even need to, to buy it. That's why the prices were so cheap. It was merakha. However, Atara of Zelzelbe. Rafa came along and he belittled the Gezerah and he reverted it back and said it's mutar. Which means he allowed the people to play music and things like that or sing songs. What ended up happening? The berachah went down. Ib'ay'a avzab li One geese crossed the zoos. You couldn't find them. Which means the supply went down, the man went up, and the prices started to shoot up. So you see there was direct connection between the banning of the music and the Berakah that they had. Now, it seems that Avunah was strict on his generation, so that was not just, was laxing it up, going back to the original, the original Takara. He thought that it was too, uh, too strict. But still, as a result, there were repercussions. Amar of Yosef. Now, oh, the Kabbalah says over now, what about women singing? So the Gemara says, Zamre Gavre. If the men are singing Varanena she," and the woman answers, she's like I have a choir of some sort. So the men sing let's say a song and the ladies answer in the choir piritsuta. That's <laughs> piritsu, because we learnt the massing. A man is not allowed to listen to a lady singing. So it's pretty soon. However, but if the ladies are singing the main part of the song, and the men are answering in the chorus, that's like a fire that burns the straw, which means it consumes. It. It's very. Why is it worse? Because when the men are in the chorus, they have to listen closely to the ladies singing to know when they should jump in to sing the chorus. So they're intending to listen much more seriously. When the men are singing and the ladies answering, so they don't have to pay attention to the ladies so much. So therefore, the Gemara says, that is firing up the Yitzhak. Now the Gemara says, kamina. Now, what do you have to know which is worth? They're both permitted. So what do, you, what, do I, what do I care if this is Binin Sut and this is Eshbin So the Gemara says, Which means, if let's say both of these practices are taking place and the rabbis only have an ability to nullify one, which practice should they nullify? They should nullify the case of the woman singing and the men answering. That already should be a precedent first because that is a worse situation. Comes the Gemara and continues anybody that drinks wine and at the same time he's listening to four different instruments he brings five calamities to the world four instruments and one wine that's five calamities and again Gemara session what these people that wake up early in the morning? What do they do when they wake up in the morning? Right? away what do they drink first thing in the morning? And they stay up late at night. What are they doing late at night? They get enlightened by the wine. And what are they doing when they're drinking the wine? For instruments. They do not see the wonders of... God, which means they're not studying Torah. As a result of their drinking, they do not see the greatness of God, and therefore, what does it say? It's going to happen to these people. The nation is going to be exiled without wisdom. Of course, if they're not learning Torah, they have no wisdom. And then what? And what? The Hashuv people are going to die from starvation. They bring the famine to the world. This type of behavior causes Torah to be forgotten from those that are learning. And then what does it say? It causes HaKadosh Baruch to be to be lowered Shalom, not itself but means that God cannot bring Benachah down to the world so they weaken let's say the Shefa of a Kadosh Baruch down to the world and lastly they cause the Jewish people to be downtrodden let's review the 5 Puraniot number 1 they bring exile into the world Famine into the world, forgetting the Torah into the world. They cause gods to become lowered, and they cause the lowering of Cloud Yisrael. And then what is written afterwards? Sheol opens its mouth very wide. Opens its mouth without uh, borders which is all those that were rejoicing in Jerusalem and all the masses, all those people they bring the put you to the world what ends up happening, they're all going to fall into Gainam, there's a lot of room in Gainam for these people, so therefore we see again the dangers of excessive music after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. The Gemara continues a call from the Mishnah Nevi When the earlier Prophets died to the Mishnah said Batel urim The Urim V'tumim also ceased to exist Man, Who are these early Prophets? Amar Zed David, Ushmuel, Ushlomo This is referring to David, Melech, u Ushlomo That were Prophets when they ceased to exist The Urim V'tumim, that was the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol They used to have Holy names that were placed in between the folds, and it used to predict the future events for That was a form of like prophecy that uh, broadcasted from the Urim vitu'min that stopped after David and Melech, Shemuel and Abi and Nos Melech. Sometimes the Urim vitu'min worked, and sometimes it didn't work. You had two Qarim at that time. You had Sadok, who was a queen, and you also had Eviatal. When Evyatar used the Urim and it did not work, and therefore he was deposed, and they put Sadok instead, like the Gemara says. Shere, Shal Sadok, Sadok asked from the Urim and Thummim, and the Urim and answered him. Sha'al Evyatar, but Evyatar asked a question to Urim and Thummim, VeLo Altano, Shne Emar, Vayaal Evyatar, Vayaal over there means that he was deposed, which is after he asked from the Urim and it did not work, so they got rid of Evyatar and they placed in his stead Sadok comes to give us Mattifrah Baba Samuel va'hil ledrosh elohim kol yemez Zechariah hamvin berot elohim which means it says that in the time of Zechariah they used to seek the word of God in order to see what the future was. Now we're assuming that they used to use the Urim Now who is Zechariah? she tells us who Zechariah was, very interesting. He says, Zechariah was the son of Yehoyada, was the Kohen Gadol, who lived in the times of the king, Yoash. Uh, Zechariah, it says by him that they were using certain uh, items to see the future. So, Smaatullah had the Ulimitim. Zechariah was after, obviously, Shalom Amenik, much after. So, you see the Ulimitim was around, much after. The Quran says, Law, Bin Be'im. They were not using the Ulimitim, they were using the aid of prophets. In order to get the future, Tashema, We have a brighter. When the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed, they showed the first one, Batnu which means those fields that used to give to the Levi'im they were but they were nullified as well. And already at that time, after the destruction of the first Beit Hamikdash, there was no more Urim V'Tumim. Melech, me bet David, And so far, the Davidic dynasty also ceased to exist. If a person will come and whisper to you, and he would come along and say, What are you talking about? This isn't pursued by Nehemiah. was a nickname for Nehemiah. I saw that they said the reason why they called him a is because Nehemiah was the wine steward of the king. And he needed to taste the wine before the king drinks it to make sure that it's not poison. Mm-hmm. Now normally that's the Ayin and I to drink the wine of the green but they gave a special oh. Heter to Nehemiah well. to drink the wine. So they called them Heter Shata which means the, 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 the one that they gave a Heter for the Tirosh. The Heter to drink the wine. So they well. nicknamed them well. Heter Shata. The one that they were material to drink the wine. In any event, what happens? if Yomar Teshata L'hem Asher Lo Yochelum MeKodesh Kodeshim Ad Amod Kohen Urim V'Tumim, which means he said that until the Kohen is going to be able to use his Urim and we're going to be able to find out where the Kohanim, who are really Kohanim and who's not Kohanim, we're going to be able to check the lineage to the use of the Urim ve nobody is allowed to eat from the Korbanot. But that's maspa that he was really saying that there's going to come a time, like in his time, where the Urim ve is going to work. Now you just told me that the Urim ends in the, the times of David and Shilamo. This is already Nechania is much later. So the Gemara comes along and says... כי אדם שומר לחברים עד שייחיו מותים ויervo משיח בן דוד which means what Nehemiah was saying was not that in his time it's going to be the me So when the Urivitumim is going to be in play again, it's like a person says when Mashiach comes. It doesn't mean he's coming uh, immediately. It means like saying, you know, it's like uh, something that's uh, far out, which means there really wasn't Urivitumim in Nehemiah's time. He was just saying it. That when the, when the Urivitumim starts working again, which means, who knows when, in the, in the future. Comes the Gemara and says, But what do you see from, we have a question of it, because the Gemara clearly quoted a Brayta, that already the Urim Orim worked all the way to the end of the first Beit HaMiknash. So how could you tell me that Orim v'tumim stopped in the times of David, Shemuel, and Shilomor? we see in the bright that Orim v'tumim didn't stop until the end of so comes given us who are the early prophets? As opposed to the later prophets. Who was the later prophets? Haggai Malachi. They were the later prophets at the time of the destruction of the beta Magdash. They were the last prophets. So means any prophet that came before Haggai Zahariah and Malakih. That means even towards the end of the second Bitta Magdash they were still uh, when did it stop? It stopped at the Nevi'im <coughs> <the> Rishonim. <coughs> what? The Nevi'im Rishonim is the prophets before Haggai Zechariah and Malachi. Comes the Gemara and says, Once those three prophets, which are the later prophets, once they died, already the Nevi'im Rishonim to the usage of the Urim betumim stopped. <laughs> but still, they use the aid of what's called a batkol. Call. that's a lower form of Ruach One time the rabbis were sitting in the attic of a fellow called Bat-Guria in the city of Yericho. And <laughs> the heavenly voice came from the Shammayim there's a fellow amongst you that the Shekhinah is worthy to rest upon him. But his generation is not worthy. They all looked at him and they knew that he was the one that the Batko was referring to. When he died, his speedu. Woe to the Hasid that we lost, woe to the humble man that we lost. Shel Azra. Indeed, a student of Azza al Sufir, which means just like Azza Sufir had Shekhinah uh, on him, so was la'oi to have Shekhinah on him as well, just the generation was not befitting. Vishut pa machid Muslim Balibiyabdin. What other rabbis was sitting in the the attic in the city of Yabdin. Nathan But call from a Shahim And heavenly voice came out of the shemaim and said, Madam, Eh Shekhinah Allah, there's a person amongst you that three words worthy to have the Shekhinah, rest on him but the generation is <laughs> not They looked at Katana who was there. A student of and at the time that Shema'ul HaKatan died, he actually said a prophecy. And what did he say? <laughs> he prophesied about Asana Haruge Malchut. The ten martyrs that were eventually murdered by the Romans. And he said... Shimon the Ishmael the Harabah, they're going to be killed by the sword. That she says, and that's referring to the band Shimon who was the Nasi and the B. Ishmael ben Elisha, who was the going of the Havrayu the Katalah, and their friends are going to be murdered as well. That wow. uh, she says, "Shadim the Arik who's that? That's talking about the Bi'akiva, that they know they raked his body with the iron combs, as well as the Hananiyab bin Tadjon, that they burnt him in a Sefer Toran, the biudab bin Baba, that they lanced his body with uh, swords. In any event, he prophesies that, that the Romans are going to come and kill the Hakamim, Ushar, the Biza, and the rest of the Jewish people, has is going to be plundered. By the Romans. And great salut, great troubles are destined to fall on the people. Which means he prophesied about the galut that the Romans were going to bring on the nation. At the time that the bin died, they also wanted to eulogize him saying, we lost the Hasid. we lost the anab. But they were not able, the time did not allow them to say it. Why? Because he was killed by the government. And anybody that's killed by the government, you cannot eulogize them in such a nice way, because then the government's going to come after you. And therefore, since he was killed by the Romans, they had to be careful what they said at his eulogy, even though he was worthy of such praises. We learned earlier that there was a certain... Worm that was called the shamir worm that was used to cut the stones of the bet ha Now, once the bet ha was destroyed, so we said that shamir was not found anymore. Banan, shamir. What was the shamir used for? bet He used it to build the first temple. When the building of the Beit HaMikash was built, they were built with complete stones. This word should be read literally, read as she explains on the right column, you have to read the pasuk literally. They took the stones out of the quarry, they did not cut the stones which is full stones as it came out of the quarry That means how did they get it out of the quarry without any iron uh, material they must use the shamir the shamir had a certain koah that when you would place it on the stone it would like laser it would cut the stone out of the quarry they would just take the stone as is, without shaving it, without any metal because the, the pasuk says that you would not have to use any metal in the construction of the Beit HaMikda so instead they used the shamir worm Is it possible to say that? That's what they did. That all these big stones were cut with big saws. So you see the pasuk, they used the saw to cut the stones of the methamigdash. What do you tell me they used the shamir? What do you mean? How do you do with the pasuk that says there was no metal? Heard at the time of the construction of the Middash. so the Gemara says, Shayam mitakim me b'cholutz u'machdis me The Hamya said they were allowed to use metal off-site, off-location. So off-location, they took the saws and they cut the stones and so on and so forth. On. And only when they got to the temple site itself, they were not allowed to use any metal. So they put the stones in without any metal. So therefore, according to the Hamya really, we don't even know what the use of the shamir was for. Because according to him, off-site they use metal, and on-site they put it in the uh, Beit HaMikdash. So we have a machloket between the Yehudahs. The Yehudah says, no, 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 they weren't allowed us to use metal anywhere. Even in the quarry they couldn't use metal. That's why they needed to take it out of the quarry with the Shamir. <laughs> so comes the Geburant and says, <laughs> So comes uh, uh, B, and he makes a compromise. He says, it seems that we're going to follow the Beit when it comes to the stones of the Beit HaMikdash. That what will take his opinion that says there was no metal used at all, even in the quarry, and will take it of Nehemiah's opinion when it comes to Shilamo's personal house. That what? That they were not allowed to use metal on site, but they used the metal to build Shelomo's house off location. So, therefore, the B makes a compromise. We'll take it to the B, and we'll take it to the personal house of Shelomo Amelech. Comes the Gemara and says, So, according to the what do you need the Shamir for? Because, according to him, you're allowed to use metal for the construction of the Beta You can use it to take it out of the quarry. So, what do you need the Shamir for at all? So, he says, it not for the big stones, but you needed it for the stones of the Hoshin. Because we know that on the stones of the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol it had etched on it the names of the Shebatim Now the problem is you weren't allowed to write it in ink like Reuven, Shimon, Nevi, because the Torah says you have to etch it. But you weren't allowed to etch it because the Torah says, otam, the stone has to remain complete. Now, if you're going to etch it, what's going to happen? You're going to lose some of the stone. So, how do you etch it by remaining complete? So, it says they put the shamir over the stone and it put a, you know, a, a, a crack in the stone itself. It followed the line, which you they, they traced, they put ink on the stone first, and they traced the shamir over the ink and it just caused it to be imprinted without causing the stone to be hasir just like a fig when it dries up you see the cracks in the fig even though the fig remains complete now let's read that inside so that's what they need the shamir for so it says the stones of the brush plate you know how to write them in ink you have to be engraved can you use a metal apparatus to engrave them (laughs) they have to remain complete you can't chisel them off They would write the names of the shemateen with ink. And then they would show the shamir. The shamir, it seems like it was a laser, like I told you. They would show the shamir on the ink itself. And it would cause a, a cut in the stone. It's a, and then the stone would crack by itself. Just like a fig. It's like the fig cracks in the summer months when they dry out. The is not missing anything. Like a valley. Like the valley, when it rains, it causes, and then dries up, it causes the the ground, to make like cracks in the ground itself, even though the ground itself is not lacking anything. The same thing, the Shamir was used for the stones to write the names of the Shamir Shamirzu, regarding this Shamir, it's a small little creature the size of a barley corn, who was already around from the times of nothing can stand in its way it's able to laser its way out of any material so then the question is which means how do you watch it going can always break its way out of everything first you wrap it up in Semer, Semer is wool it's a soft item, so it's really hard for it to laser through a soft item like that. <laughs> Put it in a lead tube. Mm-hmm. The lead does not let it, uh, uh, you know, like break face, through. Uh you fill it up with which is like a, a, a barley corns in order to keep it a, a tight, tightly packed in a soft structure with a hard casing and therefore cannot come out when the was destroyed a lot of good things in the world, a lot of nice commodities also stopped and ceased to exist, number one that she says is a very precious type of silk that was no longer around. Vizichukhit lebana is a certain type of crystal. Tanya emeichim shadav bigdash rishon. The was destroyed. that silk stopped to exist. Vizichukhit lebana that's the white crystal. Verechiv barzel and the iron chariots. The yesholim af yayin karush. This very thick type of wine that was like congealed wine. It was so thick it looked like a cake of pressed figs. It seems when they would. Make this wine it was like a syrup. It was very, very strong, which was a beracha type of wine. But once the mitzvah was destroyed, the beracha of that also left. Comes the Gemara and says, "Nofit sufim." After, after the destruction of the Magdash, an item called nofit sufim also ceased to exist. Now the Gemara is going to give different opinions. What exactly is this nofit sufim? My Nofet nofit sufim? I'm It is actually fine flour. Shetzafa al gaben napa. That floats or gets stuck on the sides of the sieve when they uh, when they're selecting the flour the it is so rich this flour that it looks like dough when you, when you knead dough with flour with, with flour with oil and honey, it becomes very thick. This solid over here on its own, without being mixed with anything, just by sifting it would stick to the walls of the, of the sieve, and it was very, very thick like a dough, even without mixing it with any, uh, any uh, materials, any water or anything like that. That's why they call it nofit. Nofit is melashon napa. Napa is the sifter. Sofim is tsaf, that floats, which means the, the, the wheat or the, the, the flour that floats or is stuck to the walls of the sieve. Nofit. Hamza Gibran gives a different interpretation. The beracha was in the bread. They used to take an oven. They used to uh, uh, place a loaf of bread on the side of the oven, and parallel to that they would stick another loaf. The bread would puff up and swell up so much that they would meet in the center. And therefore, like they were being suspended from the actual walls of the oven. Themselves. Look at that she gives us a whole story on this over here. Now she says, Shteki karot, On the left side. Shteki karot there was a blessing in the dough. Ahat medufinze medufinze. dough. When they would put the loaves of bread on the walls of the oven opposite from each other, they would start to, uh, they would start to be tafua, they would start to swell. Like the shade of a tree... The tree, when it has its shade, it overhangs, it hangs down, so too can So the breads themselves were stuck to the side of the oven like an overhang of shade, Nofit Sufim, like the shade of a tree that was just hanging over the oven itself. To show you the beracha that was in the bread. Comes to gives a different interpretation. That's very simple. Nofit Sufim is the sweet honey. Sheva min hatsifia. Now, some change that text too. That comes from a place that they call it Hatsofim, from the mountains. That there were certain uh, mountainous uh, regions there that produced very fine honey. How do you know that the honey was produced in the mountains? rav, to be thinking of Yosef, they changed that too. Kidabitagim of Yosef. Now Yosef was blind. And therefore he was not allowed to learn the Torah Bihtab, because he allowed to learn the Torah by heart. So he was an expert in targum. So whenever they would give him a Pasuk, he was the expert to give it the Aramaic interpretation. So he would not be studying Torah Shemichdah by heart. In any event, Rabbi Yosef said the following interpretation on the pasuk that was said by the Meragidim. Remember, after the spies came back and they gave a foul report against Israel, then they came along and said, "You know what? We're going to go in." So Meshiravim said, no, "No, no, it's too late. You can't go in. It's not going to be successful." These fellows were called the Ma'pilim. and it says they went into Israel region, and the Emoraim came out from the mountains, and they came and attacked, and it was a, uh, it was no good. So the pasuk says like this. Uh the the, 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 the Pasuk that is coming to be Doresh is it says the Amoraim people came down like the bees. Now obviously there's a comparison between the Amuraim and the bees. So that Yosef said the following debri'ata like the bees come down, the shaitin birume alma. That they are flying bees on the high places of the world, which is in the mountains. And they take the uh, honey from the herbs that are on top of the mountain, that's where they make the honey. And then they swarm down the mountain and uh, they come uh, and they're back down. So, therefore, the Emuraim are like the bees, they're on top of the mountain. And they came down like the bees that are on top of the mountain that are making their honey. So what do you see from this Targum over here? That the bees are actually making honey on the Sofim, on top of the mountain Dashi, oh, We continue. Kabbalah says... Now, once already we're talking about the thick... Uh, honey, obviously it was a special honey over here, we discuss a very uh, uh, famous law, the law of nitsuk. The question is like this, let's say you have uh, beverages, uh, a, a keli, and on the keli, on the bottom over here, let's say the keli is tameh. I mean the beverages that are in the keli are tameh. And I have a tahor keli with beverage in it, and I pour from on top to the bottom. Now you create what's called the nitsuk. Nitsuk is a, a flow of liquid that's connecting the bottom tameh keli to the top. The law is, and we read it inside, anything that you pour from a tahor into a tahor, why? Because we don't say that it connects, which is the stuff on top remains tahor. Of course, the stuff that that falls to the bottom gets Mm tameh. but the stuff on top, even though you connected it, does not get tameh except for zifim honey, we'll see what that is, and what is sabbihim? That's also a type of um, uh, thick uh, wax uh, uh, that uh, is thick. Now what's the anyad of the thickness? Because when a thick item trickles down and it's connected, when the flow stops, so now it reverses direction. And now you're concerned that when the thick honey is going down, I have no problem at that point. Because what's on top is becoming tamer. Once it stops, there's a back. There's a backup. And now the honey starts to go up and reverse. So I'm concerned that some of the tamer honey went into keli. That's on top because of the, uh, the thickness of it. So therefore, we learned the law of Nitzok, that honey is a different law. It comes to and continues and says, My zifim. Why do you call that honey zifim? Which is called called DevaZ Zifim. Why do you call that honey Zifim? So people gives some different interpretations. It's honey that the sellers counterfeit. Why? Because it's so thick. So they can get away with diluting it without the customer knowing. Uh. They add water to it, they add wine to it. So the customer doesn't realize that uh, they diluted it. So therefore it's it's, it's called Zifim and Lashon Ziyuf. He says no, it's called Devaz Zifim because it comes from a place called Zif. That's why he called them as zivim, Zif, ziv vaterim ubachalut. Like you see the name of places. the This is a story of Shaul and Shaul and was chasing David and Melch all And the Zifim came to Shaul and they told Shaul, "We know where David is." They, t- they told on David, we know where he is and we can deliver him to you. Now, the rabbis called these people Zifim because they were Mizu Yafim, they were liars. Because they knew that they couldn't bring David to show David was too strong. But they were just trying to find favor in the eyes of Shaul. So therefore they were false flattering him, saying things that they knew they could not. Fulfilled That's why the Pasuk calls those people Zifim Because they were liars It says They were liars Because they knew they could not produce What they promised No That's where they were from They were called Zifim Because they came from Zif These people Zif